It's not so serious. But it is. It is serious. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hey, this is Johnny Bean. This is Talking Kramer Guitars. It's March March 17th. Happy St. Patrick's Day. I'm here in 2023, 8.07 p.m. Eastern, 5.07 Pacific, out here in Santa Cruz, California. You guys, we're talking all things Kramer Guitars, and tonight, actually, we're, we're talking uh, all things... Well, we're talking Ripley Guitars. we got Kramer Ripleys. We're going to talk about regular Ripleys. Uh, Lewis from Fairfield Guitar Co. is here, and we have a special guest for you guys. So uh, smash that thumbs up, subscribe to the channel if you're brand new, and uh, let's do it. Let's do this. All right. All right. Here we go. Yeah, you guys. Hey, welcome. What's up, dudes? I'm Johnny Bean. This is Talking Kramer Guitars. Robbie says it's Kramer time. Look at that. Kramer time. <laughs> <laughs> it's always Kramer time, Robbie. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Hang on. You guys. You guys. We got Lewis, Fairfield Guitar Co. How are you doing, man? Hey, everybody. How are you? It's great to see you, by the way. It's nice been a well. it's been a little while since you've been here. Yeah, always so, happy to be on. Thank you, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome, man. You're welcome. And of course, we got Robbie. There he is. Yeah, Kramer time. Dude, dude, great to see you, man. And uh, you guys, special guest. Brett Gould. You know a few things about the about the Ripley guitars, huh? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, quite a few, actually. Yeah. Right on. Uh, yeah, because we were we were talking earlier that uh, Lewis, I keep on seeing a picture uh, that has been used, and uh, it shows four of Ed's guitars in kind of a really kind of a dilapidated shop and uh i I, and i'm going yep that's the picture i took that picture and actually i had to organize the shop quite a bit this was my first week of work with steve ripley uh this was in the in the kind of the hills of burbank california and it, it was beautiful piece of property had uh um, avocado trees all around this place and everything and in the back was this shop and it it actually used to be originally a chicken shack it it was like a chicken coop 
Oh, uh, no it way. was all yeah. This was a chicken coop, and the ceilings aren't all that high, and it's all block walls and everything. And uh, I these guitars the first week I was there, and I looked at my pictures, and the best I can come up with is May of '86. Uh, and then there you have the the 5150, which is it was one of the main guitars on the tour at that time. And then mm -hmm. the next one was the D neck, was the baritone guitar. It's actually that some people say it's 24 frets. Well, it, 24 frets, how I always knew it was from the not to the end is 24 frets of like a 24 and three quarter scale. This is. Mm -hmm. This is two frets longer, so you tune it to a D, which is really cool. And then the next one is the bowling ball Ripley distortion, and then the next one I just learned um, is what people are calling Pluto, um, and that was a, a telebody, and I'd, I almost think that was Basswood, and I imagine that um, Tom Anderson built that body and neck and on the bowling ball guitar, uh, the hex distortion guitar, Tom Anderson built the body and neck in that one. And then I know that I'm pretty Tom probably did the D neck on most likely because he's done some D necks, other D necks, and even for his own guitar for Anders for Tom Anderson guitar works. Mm -hmm. But then there's a picture, and I don't know if you have that uh, of me at the other side of the shop. Do you have that, Johnny? Uh, I have the John? one I have, I have that one. Yes. That's the same day. Steve went uh, after I lined those guitars up. Then I took that guitar and I put, you know, the 5150 put it on my lap and he took a picture of me. So that's a few months before I turned 26 and started working with Steve and you can see the ceilings there. And uh -huh. believe it or not, we actually, and you see the fabric that's on the, the curtain there. That he actually used, he would um, epoxy that on wood. Tom, Tom would, or, or I think Steve would epoxy it on a slab of quarter sawn uh, uh, basswood, mm -hmm. and then they would cut it out and make a guitar out of it. it so that's actually leftover fabric from I, that. Yeah, I, I yeah. was, I, I was gonna say it. It does. It does look familiar to some of the some yeah. of the Ripley, the Steve Ripley right. guitars, yes. Yes. some of the finishes. Um, so, yeah, and the first thing I did there is you uh, on that photo there is I started. Uh, you could see the soldering iron there was a jig there to hold um, uh, circuit boards. I was stuffing circuit boards, and uh, that was pretty intricate work. Really, ex actually, extremely intricate. It wasn't a standard circuit board like you would like in a, a standard industry thing every all mm -hmm. the all the holes were much more tighter circuit you know uh soldering each point was pretty i got really good at it and even got good at using a solder sucker to try and pull out something that wasn't quite right or it crossed over into another circuit yeah it was very interesting but that's wow. that was right out behind Steve's house, and and it was Steve and Charlene and the two kids. It was uh, Elvis and Angeline. I, I mean, at the time they were calling him Aaron, but it was uh, he goes by Elvis now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really quickly, we mm -hmm. we we have. Um, I need to introduce our channel members. 
really quickly, did you plug in the Kramer fifty one fifty guitar when you when you were holding it? I don't remember whether I did or not. Because you know that's our favorite guitar ever. That one right there. That's incredible. <laughs> Thank you. That's the greatest guitar ever to me. I grew up. I grew up. You know that that's the guitar. And and uh, I mean, I did plug in Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah. win. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> you won already. Okay. All right. Hey, really quickly though, really quickly, let's let's say hello to the, our, our uh, the top tier of channel membership here on Johnny Bean TV here on YouTube. Here we go. You guys, we got channel membership. We have sponsors for the channel in the top tier. They get their names read at the top of every show, and they are CC, Stephen Franklin, Michael Smith, Music Therapy Laz, the official Rob Blackmore, Sherman Callahan, Thomas Santiago, John Moronic, OU812, Majestic PB and J Cat, Thomas Santiago again, Guitarman45, Janice Lala, the intern. R. Habs, David Allen Wright, who, Brett Gold, I'm sure you get emails from him every day, Warlag, Rock Show, Jason Collins, and Patty Dill. Patty, your name will be on this card tomorrow. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, top tier channel membership. If you want to become a channel member and help support the channel, uh, you can do that. And uh, you can also support with Super Chats. It's basically a, uh, a donation towards the channel to, to run these shows. And the cool thing about on this channel, this is, Brett, you've ever seen a guitar noir? Very nice. See? It's, very, it's very furniture. Nice. It has guitars in it. Yes. But these lights, these are magical lights. They change with any super chats uh, towards the channel, towards these shows. And uh, let's see. So that's here on YouTube. We're also live on Facebook. Johnny Bean TV Facebook page right there. Should be where we have Facebook stars, a digital gift that helps in the production of these shows. And then uh, we're also live Facebook uh, exclusively Van Halen group at 62,000 members. We're live uh, in the EVH Gear Fans Live group, EVH Gear Fans Live page, and the Johnny Bean TV group uh, also. So there you go. We're, uh, we're live, you guys. So smash that thumbs up. Smash that subscribe. And do we have new channel members? Tim Thomas became a sponsor. I'm, I'm seeing all these names in the chat here. Let's see. Stream Elements is telling me. Uh, Tim Thomas, uh, Jed N, uh, Bryce, Robert Ranford. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank people. you so much, you guys. Thank you. Oh, you one too. Did you do that? Thank you. You can gift memberships on YouTube now to people. And Oh, yeah. As a channel sponsor, your name is in green in the chat. You get special emojis only you can use, and you get uh, exclusive content on the channel here that only you can watch. So uh, basically, I, no. <laughs> no. Become a channel sponsor and, 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 uh, and watch. There you go. All right. Um, yeah. Well, hey, I don't know. Uh, Brett. Uh, yeah. First, first of all, amazing to meet you. Thank you to Lewis Fairfield Guitar Co. Um, for reaching out to you and and um, 
Yeah, let's yeah, let's. It was, uh, it was very nice. Uh, it, I was extremely flattered. I mean, I I, I didn't realize that there was a uh, such a, a following of the guitar. I mean, I, I it, it was a passion of love at the time, and I, I had just started it. I had never done it before. Um, Steve actually, uh, my roommate at the time, he was kind of grooming him to be to start doing the guitar for him and uh but he got a job doing computers and he's and it was a great job for him as he was so like but i didn't like the job i had in la and uh and he knew that i was an organized and very detailed kind of guy and that's what he needed so he hired me and he taught me so i got taught the electronics by uh steve and doing the circuit boards and all that kind of stuff. And so I started making circuit boards for, I think I started with the bases first because it was, when I mean, there's not much talk about the Rip, Kramer Ripley bases, which is a five string bass, which was stereo. And, and actually there's several guys. I mean, I know that Scott Tunis that played with uh, Dweezil at the time was playing one. I built one for Ed, a black one for Ed. I uh, built a red one for Michael Picaro, and uh, he put with Toto, and he's played it a bunch. And um, those were really nice basses. They were they were really nice. Jeff Pilson was a bass player of, of Ripley's, and and uh, so I did those. Then I started doing the guitar circuit boards, and then wire harnesses, and then the bodies came in, and they came into Tom Anderson, and that was in Newbury Park. So. And Newbury Park, from where Steve was in Burbank, was a from him. It was a good 50-minute drive out west, going past Westlake and past Thousand Oaks and into Newbury Park. Mm-hmm. And so he had the. It was an industrial complex, and he was in Unit One. So that's where we did all the. I did all the bodies, and I learned how to do fret jobs and and fit necks and align things. And we had jigs to do all the holes for for the circuit boards and everything. And uh, that's kind of how it happened. And then I just there was tons of little things that happened during all that that were that that I think back on it, it was quite magical. It, quite, yeah, it was fun. One story. A, a quick one, because we were talking earlier about this. There's a black prototype guitar that Ed had, and it was the prototype, and it was like, so to some people think that that was pretty special. Is is okay. it the one? Is it the one in in the, in the promo photos that that yeah. that yeah. you guys did, where he's wearing the gray jumpsuit with the visor, and then yeah. he's out like on the beach holding one as yeah. well. Yeah, it looks yeah. it looks like the one that I have, right? Yeah, yeah. Just a regular. Yeah, just a regular. Yeah, just like that. It looks just like yep. this. Yep. Yeah. And it didn't have the pointed headstock, had the rounded headstock. Yeah, just yeah. like that exactly. Well, we got it. Um, back, <laughs> and the headstock was broken off, and we're going. I almost broke oh. mine off just now. <laughs> well, that's not how this one happened. <laughs> Supposedly, what had happened, and and I we took I took it out with me from Burbank from from Steve's place to out to Tom, 
and seeing what Tom, because Tom was the wizard with that stuff. Can we put this back together? Can we fix it? And Tom goes, no way. <laughs> this, this one's toast. So then the next thing is Steve had an idea of having uh, Ed and Valerie, because what happened? Valerie was pissed, and she threw the guitar and broke the headstock off of it. Well, oh my gosh. Steve was thinking, we'll sell it to the Hard Rock, and we'll get the two of them to sign it. Ed was Ed was hip to it. Valerie said, "Uh, uh-uh. uh." <laughs> Is, isn't there isn't there a, a a Ripley in a Hard Rock, either signed by Eddie or just says there's a plaque that says Eddie Van Halen, and it's a Ripley, but it has like one pickup and like just a few knobs. It doesn't look like anything. It doesn't look like the uh, the Pluto or the Super Pluto. It, it looks like a different one. Could have been. Could have been. I mean, there's he. I, I know that he had a couple different guitars. I know that the one that they're all talking about that one that was just like plain basswood, and uh, you know, it was just a, a naked guitar and all that. I mean, I that that guitar. I know it wasn't just with Ed. I mean, it was it was in my house and uh, my the the guy that I uh, got that basically was introduced to Steve from. It was mm-hmm. a guitar player, and, and we went and used it in our studio. And we that guitar has been around a bit, been definitely been around a bit. And uh, it, it was it's a very interesting, a lot of interesting stories. But they talk about different colors. Someone say they don't see white ones or all that kind of stuff. But there's a white one that was you guys all have it that was signed that looked very familiar to a white one that was in the shop for quite a long time, quite quite some time. And I was kind of hoping that it would stay in the shop because I kind of like it. I, I mean, okay, I am a drummer. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, it, it, I, 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 I do play guitar. I do play it. And I really like that white one. But there was a time where Steve was in Tulsa when his dad was sick. And Charlene told me that she says, uh, Steve wants you to get the white one already uh, to go just tweak it, change the strings, clean it up, make sure everything's working right. And you need to take it to a guy at a studio. And she gives me an address and she tells me a little bit of inside. So I had a hint, but I didn't really know. So I take the guitar there and it was the house out front this was in encino the house out front was being framed but you walk by the workers that are framing the house and you go back in and you find this small shack like building and i knock on the door and it's dave stewart from the arrhythmics and um and it's his property and his wife was there and jim barber that's who the guitar was for and what they did is they built the property from the back to the front, which is really wise. Um, so they built the studio. They built the tennis court and the pool. And then they're framing the house last. Well, in the studio, they were having sessions. And I kind of had a hint who it was for. And I ended up hanging out there with Jim Barber for quite a while. We're trying out the guitar. And I'm listening to these tracks that are being played and I'm going, oh, my God, its story is true. 
these sessions were the, uh, the, the solo record for Jagger and Jeff Beck. Oh, wow. They did a, a record together in, it was either 86 or early 87. And so I, I actually hit it off with Jim Barber and he, it was his guitar now. And um, then in walks Jagger. I'm going, whoa, this is cool. <laughs> this is really cool. Did so he walk in was, or did he dance in? Yeah, he just walked in. It was pretty cool, and and he was he was just a tiny bit guarded to begin with, but uh, once they knew that I that Jim had embraced me, and so it was just Dave Stewart, Mick Jagger, and Jim Barber and I talking guitars for about fifteen minutes or so, and then I knew that it was time to bow out and say, okay, I'm you know they're there to work, uh, mm-hmm. let them do their work, and and it, it, but it was that was a wow a wow moment. But, um, we talk about guys that I heard before of people that have played, um, that are playing Kramer Ripley's, um, Dweezil's one of them. He has a blue one and I'm, I don't, I know it's a neck that was made from the Kramer factory or whatever, what, like you were saying, Robbie, you know, yeah, the, yeah. The necks. Yeah. yeah. But I know that Tom reshaped it. I know, because he, he reshaped mine as well. And then I did it like Ed likes to do a tongue oil. Anything that Ed was doing, Dweezil wanted to do badly. I mean, it's just, he was a young <laughs> kid. I mean, I think he was 17 or 18 at the time. And uh, so he, he has a, a blue one. And then after that, he also got a uh, a, a white one that was really thick because it had these controllers and a receiver in there and it was basically like pluto what you guys are saying pluto but it had mm-hmm. a, a big box that that you uh, that you plugged into that had all the knobs instead of the guitar having all the knobs and he built one steve built one for uh dweezil and rye cooter um rye was one of his really tight buddies and uh so so then i built one for howard lease of heart Mm-hmm. Um, Dave Amato, uh, who now is playing for, uh, Ario Speedwagon. Um, he borrowed mine, which actually, oh, this is mine and it's a hex distortion model. Okay. Let me, let me get it. Wow. It looks heavy. It is. It's a, it's a boat <laughs> anchor. Um, it's, it's poplar. And so that. Some of you who don't really know how all this this works, let me get it to where you can see there. So we have the pan pots for each string here. Okay, then you have master volume, tone, and then you have an on-off switch, which with the, a little red LED. And then this switch, what this does is forward is clean guitar, and this is volume of clean. And then back is hex distortion. This is volume of hex distortion. And then, and this is tone of hex distortion. And then you put it in the middle position and you can mix clean with hex, these two. You just mix them together, and that's how you can get your sound out that way. 
That's how this worked. And on the back of this, you can see there is six little holes on the back. And I also think that, the, and each, these are little blue trim pots in there. And you can trim how much you want to distort each string. So you have a, and a ton of different controls. And then battery plate right here. And then mm -hmm. there, there's two circuit boards inside here, and then there's a circuit board on the back of the pickup. And everything is shielded. I, I copper, you know, copper, copper shielded everything, and that was all as per Steve, and and uh, so that it was quiet and everything. And I think you have a picture. Did I send you a picture of the inside of this guitar? That you can show the, the circuit board. And there you can see the blue. See that one or the other? You both sent yep. me pictures of the inside yeah, of both your guitars. The That's the hex. And the blue little knobs, those are what the trim pots for each string. So you can break up the string differently on each guitar on, or on each string. So you can adjust it. So yeah. Wow. And, and, it, and it's because the... The humbucking is like six little humbuckings in there, and it has an individual output on each one, and mm -hmm. it's all tied in. And I would solder the the circuit board on the back of the the um, the humbucker, and then that's what all the wire harness going over into the 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 uh, the pickup pocket was. I used to have to I dremeled uh, a notch there, so yeah, you, you dremeled the notch in there so that you can get the wires in there, and then. Yeah, so it looks like a wiring nightmare, but it's once I did it and everything and everything, all the all the uh, the tabs, the you know that you could pull them out, you know the connectors, the pin connectors, and it all has shrink wrap on it, and everything had shrink wrap and and uh, yeah, Steve was a stickler for wow. detail. So it, just to give was, people a little little bit of history, you had the hex one. There was a not, another model like mine that doesn't have the distortion. So there's two different kinds. So this one just has the panning for each string, uh, an on and off, a volume and a tone. So there was two um, different- And versions. yours has the LED. Mine has, yours has the, 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 just, the, the light. When it's, when it's no, on, yeah, mine has that too. Mine yeah, doesn't. Yeah. Okay. Mine doesn't have, have the light. Really? No. No, no Johnny, yours is a, yours is a Kramer factory guitar. Mine, yeah. uh, here. Yeah, mine just has this. Oh, wow. Oh. That. Yeah, that's an 85. Oh, wow. Yep. That has the uh, Lucido Banana tilted neck, 85. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's just like the prototype. Just yeah. like the neck that Valerie broke, right? Yeah, oh, except oh. it was it was hanging off with the strings. It, it was there was still tension beyond the nut. <laughs> it was it was funny. I mean, wow. we got a kick out of it. Uh, I I don't think at the time it was funny at all. Um, but yeah, it was just one just one of those things. You know, it, it, an artist is can be kind of fickle and do some things. But yeah, I used to hear Valerie and Edward fighting it out in the paint booth at the Kramer factory on a kind of a regular basis. It's not oh, surprising yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah. So that, that the headstock was broken. Yeah. 
Yeah, I could see where that wouldn't surprise you. Yeah, um, but Ed was as as humble as I mean, I I to be quite frank, I only met him twice. Uh, I was around him more than I actually met him, but a, a one-on-one, uh, just Ed and I twice, or, or Steve introduced me to him, and he says, "Yeah, Ed, this is this is our work boy. This is our this is our our employee." And uh, that was up at the up at his house, and um, it wasn't long after that that not, uh, it was probably a couple months after that picture or whatever. And um, then the other time, I went up to the house by myself with a, a black Kramer Ripley five string bass, gave it to him, and he opens the case. He goes, "This is great. This is great." But you know what I could use? I could use. And I opened up the cart compartment before he could get it out and I had an extra cord and a couple of extra um, splitter boxes and he goes yeah yeah you got it and and he was yep those I used to wire those yeah and um, he was extremely grateful I mean it's just as nice and kind and not like full of himself whatsoever just super super nice guy Absolutely. Yeah. But then there was a, a very interesting story about um, a NAM show, would have been the January after I started, like in May. So I was working there a while, and Dweezil came to the booth, and him and I hit it off, and I introduced him to Steve, and they got going with the guitars and everything. And then Sunday night at the NAM show, um, they wanted to do some meeting in the valley so we're in anaheim and the valley's a, a good 40 minute ride away and so i had my ford econoline van and i had it I, i'm a musician i carry gear <laughs> so, so it's it's all carpeted it's all carpeted and it's all glued to there so i can slide gear in and out and everything's protected and so i had a couple flight cases in there and i had dennis who's the president of kramer in the front seat with me and then Steve and Floyd Rose on flight cases just behind me. Yeah. No seats, no <laughs> seat belts, no nothing driving the 405 going up into a valley. And we went to Ed's house. Then we went to Dweezel's house back to Ed's house and then went to a rehearsal in the valley and uh, saw the Nelson twins. Now, Ricky Nelson's boys, Matt and Gunner, and mm-hmm. saw a rehearsal there, and that was before they got signed and everything. And it was a, it was a kind of an inter- interesting, infamous night. And that's where my driving ended there. And Dennis had called a car and, and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was a, an interesting moment. So what that, you said that was during a Nam show, like weekend right on a Sunday. The Sunday, um, the, the Sunday, the, yeah, the okay. Sunday. The, the Nam show was over, and uh, we all drove. It was nighttime, had because it was you know it was January. It's like the Wait, third what week year of was January. That? Was it eighty five? That would eighty seven. Eighty seven. Yeah. Okay. And that I have was a... the first time we showed with the Kramer group with the Kramer booth and had the Kramer Ripley's there. Eighty-seven. Okay, because I've got a, a good friend of mine that actually used to hang out with Edward uh, at the Nam shows during those years, and he remembers going to the Kramer booth one year and them having the Ripley on display, and you could put on the headphones, yep. and you could either play the guitar or it actually they were blasting a cassette of Edward 
playing it. It was demos right. yeah. that he did. Yeah. So, exactly. man, yeah. awesome. Yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> and and when Ed showed up at the NAMM show, it was total freaking chaos. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was chaos. I mean, that, that he was... He ruled the roost at that time. Yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, it. it uh, and then after I after I got done with Tom Anderson or with Steve Ripley, and that that kind of ended, um, I just followed on and started assembling Tom Andersons. And because mm-hmm. Tom had already taught me the assembly, and at that time he was only making three or four guitars a month. And when I got done with them seven years later, we were making 60 to 70 a month. Yeah. Of course, a few more people assembling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the Kramer Ripley's, it's a super interesting guitar. I mean, anybody, they, they owe themselves to get a hold of one and hear it. The very first time you hear it, mind-blowing. Let, let me really quickly, let me just, uh, and hey, by the way, everybody that's watching this, thank you for watching. We got here, I'll, actually, I'll show the, uh, I'll show the chat right here. We've got a bunch of people in the chat watching this. Any questions or comments for Brett, for Lewis, for, for Robbie or myself? Uh, there you go. Um, the, the one that I, the, the Ripley that I have, which again, I'll, uh, I'll show this really, really quickly. This one, I, I found this at a pawn shop. In Oakland, California, in 1995. Wow, this one. You want to know how much I paid for it? Don't tell us. Three hundred fifty dollars. Wow, good for you. Good. And for then you. in twenty in 2016, I went to Gary Kramer's uh, Kramer showroom. He just lives two hours south of me, and he signed my guitar for me. Right there. All right on. So. But I can't tell you how many people over the years have been like, Johnny, how much for that guitar? You know, for years, years and years and years. And, and since I've been here on YouTube, I've been on YouTube for about 17, 18 years or whatever. I've done videos. And actually, I, I kind of met Steve virtually because I had this guitar. And if you go to one of my Kramer videos, actually, I'll, there'll be a card right up there on playback. Mm-hmm. In the comment section, you'll find Steve Ripley commenting on my, uh, on my videos. But right um, but uh, anyway, yeah. So this this is mine, and and if you guys a little later, if you guys want to hear it, I kind of jerry rigged a little system together so I can play it. Um, but uh, I am planning on on using this guitar. I actually I do a show on Sunday nights where I actually play, and I am planning on on using this guitar to to play and record, and and uh, you know I'm kind of more careful with it nowadays. You know, although I did, I did hit the headstock on this, but this isn't landing. Um, but uh, but you didn't throw it across the room. Not yet. <laughs> but if you're telling me that the prototype had a busted headstock, I got to break this headstock now. No, you don't. That's how crazy Johnny, we are. Johnny, take it one day at a time. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. Mike Olson, you want to hear this? Okay, a little later. A little later. I've got, I've got this. And actually, uh, Lewis. Lewis here actually has yeah. a little demonstration he would like to do, too. Yes, so. yes. Let, let Lewis do his thing here. So, just to give uh, 
people an understanding of what a Ripley was. And Robbie, you can correct me. This is considered a signature guitar for uh, for uh, Kramer, correct? It was Ripley's yeah, signature. Yeah. Like Paul Dean was, and all those were. Um, this is a signature guitar part of the line. Um, you know, I I've been playing guitar since 1986, and this was the first one I've ever seen in person. So I bought it. Um, I've never seen a red one. I've seen a ton of black ones out there. Um, but to give people an understanding of what exactly it does, I kind of just set it up quickly. I'm not using the splitter box uh, because from what I understand, you need um, speaker cables uh, to use this properly. So what I have is just a Y cable. One going out, one going into one amp, one going into the other amp. And so the Marshall, the Marshall, sorry, the small Marshall is clean. <laughs> the big Marshall is the Marshall. So, um, because if I keep them both clean, if you're listening on the phone or on a computer, you really can't get an understanding of how they pan left to right. So what I'll do is I'll set all the knobs to one side. Uh, we'll turn it on and you'll hear. So that's all clean. This one being the high E. And so what happens is when you turn this, it'll turn it this amp into that amp and it's each string. So. So you can hear how it switches from one amp to the other. So if you put them in the middle, you get a blend of both the distortion and the clean. Uh, but obviously yeah. if you have two clean amps and you have like reverb on one and maybe clean on the other, you can get like a pinging effect. But, can hear that you'll get both clean and distortion. And so the cool part is if you put each string, you know, you put one string on one and one on the other, you'll have clean, dirty, clean, dirty, clean, dirty. So it's cool how you can get it's it's almost like an introduction to wet dry systems if you want to think of it that way if you do two a distortion and a clean um, but that's the way they work and so um just a quick ending to the story mine when i bought it i didn't take the neck off but i heard that there's a signature on the inside of the cavity and i heard it was steve's signature so when i open mine and i see this name uh brett i was like who's this guy and so um, got onto the uh, Facebook Ripley page, and Charlene answered me, and he goes, oh, he used to work for us uh, back in Burbank. And so I got in touch with him through uh, Facebook, uh, and he built this guitar. Yep. Wow. demo on that. And, it, and it, it, what they come with is it's a stereo cord that you cord. It's just a guitar stereo cord that comes out of it because it's a stereo jack in in that guitar and you put it into that splitter box and then you just take two normal guitar chords and come out of that splitter box and go the best way is to have two identical amps and put them in two corners of the room and mm -hmm. play the, the guitar and split up the strings on either side and it's just like wow you, you've never heard anything quite like it, it it's really cool yeah. Yeah. yes would it's you good. say yeah. this did this guitar um, come before the whole wet, dry, wet Bradshaw system, or was it at the right about the same time? 
about the same time. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. That's about when Bradshaw was doing all the the Bradshaw rigs and and everything. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because it's it's, yep. it's basically the same concept. It's a stereo concept, two amps, you know. Um, and then obviously, if you get more of these, and I got this one from Charlene when I bought the guitar, right. it, didn't, it didn't come with it, right. so I contacted and her. What you need with that is a stereo guitar cord. Stereo cord. Okay, not a cable. Stereo, cord. just a stereo guitar cord. And so it's why it's got a quarter inch jack. It's just a stereo guitar cord. Just yep. plug it in. Yep. Stereo right, guitar goes in the stereo end, and then then you do it left and right out of that into two different two different amps. And and when you split up the strings in a, in a room, it's it's just like, it's yep. it's beautiful. It's a beautiful. And I heard if you get multiple of these, you can you can split those again and go into uh, more mm. amps. And Never. Really get those. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. How many amps do people have? Yeah. Yeah. Right. They, you know, <laughs> yeah. But that's the whole idea: is to do a stereo, get a right and a left, get it pinging. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It change it, pinging left and right. I'll I'll, I'll do a quick demonstration of mine. I actually tracked down a, a stereo cable last night when I got when I when I got this back in 1995. I was working out of. You ever heard of a shop called Subway Guitars in Berkeley, California? No. You ever heard of that place? I I worked there back in the in the nineties, and it was actually it was the owner. His name's Fat Dog. He actually Ry Cooter used to come in all the time. Really? Yeah, yeah. Back in the nineties. Anyway, the owner saw the, the the guitar at a pawn shop in Oakland, knowing I'm this huge Van Halen fan. He's like, Johnny, you got to go check this out. I went. And I, you know, it's a pawn shop. So I felt bad, like, oh, somebody owns that, you know? So I left it there for a month. I came back a month later. It was still there. So I got it. I got the guitar. No splitter box, none of that. So, so, but I had a friend that worked at the shop. Uh, he, he's like, Johnny, here's what you get. He sent me to Radio Shack and he told me exactly what cables to get. And it works. I got the thing to work for years. I recently got a splitter box as well from Charlene. I've got one right here. So anyway, so I'm plugged in directly into my interface here that this is plugged into. So the tone is not going to have the greatest tone, but just to show you guys. Just to get the idea. Just to get the idea. Yeah. yeah. You're going to hear this. But yeah, the tone's not going to be great. I am going to improve it. But yeah, the tone's not awesome. Or anything, but you can hear you can hear the separation. You know. You can hear that, yep. right, Brett? Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's that's the whole idea of it is to get it, it where it goes from left to right, and and however you play it, it. Yeah. However you want to set it up. It's a little dirty, but there you go. So, and it's a hard pan. I mean, it, when you pan it hard one way, it will not go out of the other side. Right, right. I usually hard pan them. Yep. Um, I am working on because, like I said, I do a show Sunday nights where I do play the guitar. I am going to have a actual a better setup where you can actually hear the guitar better. But you guys can in the chat. You can hear that, right? Use your, everybody. Use your headphones. So you can hear the strings going back and forth. There you go. 
There you yeah. go. That's that's the whole idea. You got it. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And I'm seeing in the chat. Yes, there are Bartolini's in there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a Bartolini pickup. Let's see yours, Robbie. <laughs> no, I do not have it. Hold on, I, I should. Yeah, got we need a, a group photo. <laughs> there we go. Mine, mine's got more. Ah, <laughs> uh, but wait, wait. This dog, this dog will have his moment. <laughs> Please tell me. Please tell me, Brett. Yeah. When you dress a guitar neck, do you back bow the neck before leveling? Oh, yeah. Did yeah. you hear that, everybody out there? Did you hear yes. that? You said yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay. I, I learned it from Tom, and uh, it, it has to be, it has tension on it, and it's down. And I actually I have a, a, a machined, but it's ultra flat, uh, a straight edge. Put it on there and make sure the neck is. Yep, and then then you level the frets, and and actually you get a little bit heavier uh, on the upper end strings, and and take them down a little bit, but then you bring it across and you yeah it, it yes, yes absolutely good point Robbie. So, so you're you're saying that you're reproducing the tension on the neck, which makes it which makes it uh, curve some. So yes. back bowing uh, allows that to come out flat yeah. when it's yeah. under tension. Yes. yes, yes, exactly. I didn't really understand why Edward told me to do that, but uh, that's what I do. It even though I only use ESP necks from 1979 to 1985, mm -hmm. or or the Lacido tilted banana like Jan like 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 Johnny has. Right. They don't really move a whole lot. Right. But uh, backbowing it before, before like leveling, it enables me to get those strings a lot closer to the frets. Right. I don't have to. I don't have to put relief in the neck. And my experience with with working with so many different necks with Tom is uh, um, some necks move. They just do, and some don't. And, and it's 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 the I like when the grain is really tight and it's really flat with the neck. There's no tailing off or anything like that. Um, really, and it, it seems to be better. Um, and we never, we hated using um, uh, bird's eye maple, always twisted. Yes, never yes, used, Never used ebony. It didn't expand and contract at the, at the nearly the same rate it maple did. So an ebony fingerboard and thought it was way too thin. You know, the sound wasn't quite fat enough for us. Um, uh, rosewood was nice. And then, then you get this, this ban on Brazilian rosewood. That was kind of rough. So anybody that had a stash of it, we used. Um, and, and I was just recently in Brazil. And you should see the places, these extravagant places with Brazilian rosewood floors in them. And I'm looking at it and I'm going, God, could I just tear up some of these floors and take it to Tom? <laughs> I mean, it was beautiful Brazilian rosewood. <laughs> uh, and if you notice the grains or the, the figuring on Edward's neck, he did not want really fancy. Straight maple. Straight yeah. Straight 
hard rock eastern straight maple. You couldn't see any figuring or, you know, striping or nothing. I have a question. Yeah. I have a question. So, Brett, so you've, man, we, see, everybody that, that's held this guitar, and again, that's my favorite guitar in the world right there, the Kramer 5150. Do you have any idea what wood that guitar is? No, I don't. I don't. I didn't. I didn't even ask what it was. I That's like the biggest debate ever. Well, m- one of them with like a lot of these, lot of these guitar nerds. Although this guy says he knows. So I was at the factory the day <laughs> that they came out of the paint booth. Edward had us kick the guitars around on the floor because he, he thought they looked too new. And then he took us outside and told us exactly where to kick them around in the parking lot and how to kick them with the side of our foot gently. And all those, there were five, we made five of those bodies. All five were poplar. All five were painted in the Kramer paint booth. He was in the booth. He helped stripe. And I think he prime. I think he did some primer on them. But that's all, that, that's basically, he was directing how to tape them, how, you know, and stuff like that. But I mean, I I held the thing. It was poplar. They were all poplar. So were the uh, Ad Frankie guitars. These are poplars too. We were mentioning before. I thought it was yep. basswood. Yep. This these are poplars, yep. correct? Yep. Well, Ed did yep. not want any poplar going out of the factory because he played poplar. He liked the sound, the way it reacted with the feedback. And so, the, yeah, and the poplar is quite a bit heavier than basswood. Basswood's pretty light. It's a really light light guitar. It is, but it's got some the richest basses and mid-range, um, really clarity and tone. Uh, and like Ed's, Ed's uh, his um, bowling ball one that, that is his hex distortion was basswood. Uh, yeah, it's fabulous wood. It's really light, easy to fix. Um, it, no real problems with that. But then, but then I um, do you have a, a picture? Let's I, see. I have Which one? one? Other one with the one with me playing the one with Frankenstein. Yep, the other one. The other, the other <laughs> that one. one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. So that is Frankenstein. Yes. So and, go ahead. So what? What is the story? What is the? Let, really well, quickly. Really quick. Really quick. Let me tell you. When I when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I, I remember waking up to go to school one morning, and this was in 1980. I want to say 89 early 89 and there was a music video on mtv for a song called feels so good off van halen's o812 album i remember seeing the video like when i think it premiered and eddie's playing the frankenstein but it has that neck on it and i couldn't believe it i'm like whoa it's the frankenstein and it's it's a different neck what what is the story well uh that one uh i know he wanted a different neck on it and so Tom Anderson made him a new neck and we had the body there. Um, and if you notice my arm is kind of covering up the quarter that the, the Floyd Rose sits on in the back. Well, Mm -hmm. Tom, and because the Floyd Rose is supposed to be set set up parallel with the body, but Ed wanted the bridge on the body. He felt that it resonated the body more and that there is a lot of truth to that that if the bridge is really touching the body, it's going to resonate it more. Um, so Tom made the neck so that the, it can actually sit on the body 
and it being parallel within when you set it up with the string height. Uh, so I actually had to dremel out the quarter, the, the corner of the quarter so that the bridge would actually sit on. I put in, you know, a little grinding tool and a dremel tool and just made a little grinding spot on, on the quarter so it would sit down on the body. And I tongue oiled the whole thing or I raised the grain on it which means so that once water gets on it, the grain doesn't come up. And I, you know, it was like wet and then sand it off and wet it and sand it off. And so it was a, quite an ordeal to get it done. And then I dressed the neck and, and Benny Rodriguez uh, did the paint job on the headstock. Yeah. Benny did that all of all I've, himself. I've seen the, isn't there's a photo of Benny with the guitar too. I think I'm there probably is. I know we, Benny. We, we I, he he has a shop out here, actually, and I've I've met him a couple times over the years. Yeah, he's a great um, guy. And I've been yeah. trying to get him on the show for years, and and uh, at some point, I think yeah. we were going to do the show from his from his shop, actually. Yeah, we were. It, Benny was a was the only one working with Tom at the time, so it, at that time it was just. I was doing the Kramer Ripley stuff, and Benny and Tom were out in the wood shop making parts. And uh, they more or less made mostly parts for a ton of different people, you know, bodies and necks for Pensacer and all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, I, the neck was, it was great. I mean, it was fit the body nice. You know, I mean, Tom was the a wizard with the the geometry of guitars. I mean, so that the his his way of making sure that the neck fit ultra tight wasn't going to move at all and that the strings are dead center down that neck it's not nothing over one side or the other and uh so that it, it because it the, the the guitar all it's the sum of a lot of parts that have to be really precise and and he was great at it i mean he was he, he, he still is great he has that neck that's almost like a V-shape. Yeah, I saw. I've I've still talked to Tom every once in a while, and I've been out to the factory since he moved from there in Newbury Park, and and yeah, uh, yeah he put a, a V in the neck, which settles it into centering in there. Yeah. I mean, I remember doing other other guys. I did Dwayne Bailey's guitars when he was playing with Chicago and stuff, and and uh, he would, and also Rick Springfield did where I'd, I'd put six neck bolts in just to anchor it down so the thing was not going to move at all. And uh, they didn't. But And then we all plugged that guitar in. We studied that. We studied Frankenstein from one every inch of it. And, uh, yeah, I, I didn't realize the gravity of it at the time. Not at all. And that was like... December of 86, I believe, um, is when that photo was taken. And, and uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was fun times. And, and I wasn't there when he came to pick it up. I think he was there on a Saturday. And Tom and, Tom and uh, Benny were at the shop. And Ed pulled up. Uh, he was going to visit his brother Alex in Santa Barbara. And... Um, he, him and Valerie were in his uh, Lamborghini Countach, but he had somebody else uh, with an SUV 
driving behind to, to put the guitar in because the guitar wouldn't fit in the Lambo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, things were rough. Yeah. Uh-huh. Tell, oh tell, people who might not know, tell people who might not know the relationship between uh, Tom Anderson and Kramer because there's a little, really there's a relationship. That's why, um, you know, because when I first found out about it, I was like, why is Tom Anderson working on Kramer? Um, you know, and I'm I'm one of the the newer guys that didn't really know Tom Anderson as a parts builder until you know ten years ago. For me, he was a guitar it was a guitar company, but before that, he he was he was like Schechter and you know right. um, and those guys. Yes. He was he was building parts. So was he building parts for Kramer at the time, and that's how he got hooked mm-hmm. up with Eddie through well, Kramer? No, um, him and he built parts for Tom. Okay. For or no, Tom built parts for Steve. Okay. So they were, I mean, that's, that was Steve and Tom were like partners on this. So Tom was actually a partner on this Kramer stuff. Tom did all the bases. He built, Tom built all the base bodies and necks for the Kramer Ripley bases. It all came from Tom gotcha. and then, and Tom built other parts and, but it is Tom and Steve had a relationship before I ever was there before I ever knew him. Yeah. So that was a, a very long lasting relationship. And then they, they did some really cool stuff. And, you know, like we did one for Alan Holdsworth that was uh, really thin maple on the tops and backs. And the middle was balsa wood. Really strange. It was really a weird guitar. And, uh, and I got to go take it out to, to, um, to Alan and met him and, and then also, I think you have a photo there of Ripley stuff, and these are all Tom parts, and these are Ripley's uh, for Steve Vai. They were bowling balls. They're like purple-looking bowling balls, and the uh, the one is the Tom Anderson shape, or not, or the Steve Ripley shape, and the other one is a Strat with an uh, HSH in it. Is it this? Oh wait, I got a cup. Is it the one by like a pool? Yes, that was, yeah, okay. Yes, so the one on the left is a Ripley, and that's a Ripley body. That's that's Ripley-shaped body, which looks a lot like the PV, doesn't it? Just saying. It's very, (laughs) just just saying. Um, I didn't say anything there. But so that's uh, Steve Vai's Ripley, and then the one on the right, uh, if you notice, if you count from the nut to the octave, there's 16 spaces there. The only notes that that plays that we know of is open and the octave. That's it. Everything else doesn't go with it. anything else we play. It's 16 <laughs> steps. And, and I brought it to Steve and, and Steve, and he starts doodling around on it and he goes, yep. He says, I'm either going to contact aliens or I'm going to cure cancer. And oh he my meant, gosh. <laughs> but those, both of those are Steve eyes. And that was at my, I, I lived in mission Hills at that time and was working for Steve. And I actually had the electronics part of the shop in my bedroom at the time there at my house because Steve had, had moved out and moved to Tulsa. So I did the electronics and the circuit boards and stuff 
it basically I got up from my bed and went to the bench and started working. And then I'd take everything with me to, and I even stuffed bodies there. I even had bodies there and then I'd take them out to Tom and I'd, I'd dress the frets and get everything out and everything got shipped from Tom Anderson. All the, all the guitars got shipped from Tom Anderson. Yeah. They had a, he had a side room that we had kept all the guitars in and yeah, it, it was, it was a pretty cool time. So it was, yeah. it was Tom that was with, uh, I thought it was Eddie that was in partnership with Steve. Well, yes, he was, but the working people okay. of it, of it were sure. Steve, Tom and I. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Tom had an agreement that, you know, because he was making the parts for the bases and all that kind of stuff. And, and he provided the shop for me to work at. And that's why it naturally really lent itself that after we were done with the Kramer Ripley stuff, which only lasted about a year and a half, I think I worked with that. And then everything got shipped out and everything got shipped back to Steve. And then uh, I started assembling for Tom. Yeah. Yeah. But that's so that's I, how that. I, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I said that's how that kind of all went down and, and worked out and. I don't know. Did I, I? I didn't. But this picture, I don't think you have this, but this picture is on my my workbench in my bedroom. And those were the two boxes. One of them was for Dweezel and one was for Ry Cooter. And that's basically the replica of Pluto except it's in those boxes. That's what that is. Wow. That, yeah, and when you look inside, Steve hardwired everything. It's not like it's not like stuffing a circuit board. Steve like it was all hardwired, hardwired and he would, you know, and, and he had this tool and he twist it around the post and then pull it up and clip that and then yeah, yeah, it was painstakingly, you know, meticulous work of hardwiring that stuff in there with this tiny little wire that had coating on it so that if they touched, they didn't cross. And it was, you look at it and you go, holy cow, what <laughs> the hell is this? I'm scared to open mine up. <laughs> oh, no. I'm scared to change the strings. No. No, because no, these are all a printed circuit board. And, <laughs> and we just we just stuffed the, stuffed the parts in the circuit board. You had to know what mm -hmm. this, you know, it's all resistors and and uh and and um yeah yeah it, just, a just don't get it wet just yeah oh hell no, no. It, when, I, when, I bought, <laughs> when, when i bought mine the, the electronics weren't working great they were they were working but i just sprayed it with con you know with electrical cleaner and it, they, they right. started working up right yeah. away so yeah. um I should yeah. do that with mine. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just it's, it was just a printed circuit. Robbie, you guys probably you guys stuffed the boards for for that for that guitar. I don't think I stuffed boards for um, non. Um, I think I only did the the um, hex distortion boards, and the ba and the Kramer Ripley basses. So you guys at the shop probably stuffed the boards for that one. So I got a unique one that has your name on it. it doesn't have the hex on it. <laughs> Well, we would have had to get it, you know, the circuit board ready to go. I mean, it wasn't, well, it wasn't like technicians working on them. I'm sure they farmed that out. 
They oh, got the okay. keyboard ready to put in the guitar. And oh, they were when you got them? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was I was the guy that was farmed out for the hex distortion guitar. <laughs> yeah, and it was it's pretty intricate soldering, but it, it, I mean, I I look back on it and it, it, was, it, it was meticulous work, but I liked it, and I, I it, makes, it, just, it makes a lot of sense. Out. It makes a lot of sense what you were saying about the years, and your involvement with with uh, Tom Anderson, and Edward being involved with him making parts right around late 87 88 when uh you know crap hit the fan with uh mm -hmm. you know edward not getting royalties floyd not getting royalties they 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 took off they weren't going to have anything from there anymore it makes sense that that edward would go there to somewhere where you could get something done without a lot of hassle if you will right but, you know, after it, it, it stopped like about the beginning of '88, and then it was just a lawsuit, you know, forever, you know. Right. But, uh, yeah, I don't think a lot of people realize that. They think that Edward was still with Kramer when they went when they had the fire sale, but he he was gone. I mean, he had he had legal obligations, you know, to promote certain things for a certain amount of time. But I mean, it's making sense to me now. The whole. Uh, the, the tie-in with Tom Anderson. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would you happen to have any history on the tie-in with uh, Bartolini? Like, did, did, did Steve design that's a, the That's a Steve one? thing. Yeah, because yeah. I, I reached out to them, and they were, you know, they're they're in the middle of preparing for um, for NAM and moving, and so um, David Galatas, who's uh, a, a, a luthier there he wrote back to me he wrote we have documentation of the te technical specifications if we ever decide to build them again uh, but i hear that they are very difficult to do it. <laughs> so, um so uh yeah so it, it's it's something that came up the other day i was uh i was wondering how that relationship started with uh with yeah who got that, it going. that's a steve thing yeah yeah i mean steve had relationships with a ton of people i mean sure. You know, like Roger Lynn that made the Lynn drum, and and he had some other engineers that worked that did things. I, I met a ton of people through him. I mean, absolutely amazing people. Uh, a bunch of people that worked for. It's like uh, guys that that he did on his own guitars. He did for uh, Michael Cimbella. Um, remember uh, the song uh, "Maniac" that was yeah. Plus, yeah, he had Flash a dance. He had a plexiglass. Ripley, yeah, wouldn't stay in tune under the lights for anything. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Mike Olson. Yeah, a bunch of stuff for Ry Cooter, bunch of stuff for Dweezil, James Burton with Elvis. Yeah, I mean, I that his guitars were over there. Jimmy Buffett, Steve Vai. Um, it, it just he Steve somehow just knew people. Yeah. And did and you do anything they, for Lucasfilm? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've actually that's the first guy that I met when I moved to L.A. I moved there in like December of 83 and my roommate that knew Steve and everything. He says, Steve wants me to go to the house and get a guitar. He's in the studio with Lukather. You want to go with me? And I'm going, yeah. And so we went and, you know, I'm 23 years old. I'm going, well, and I just got to L.A. So, and so we're we off and we're there and. 
going and spending time with with uh, a little bit with Lucather and Steve, and they're talking. And generally speaking, generally, when Steve's talking with another artist, you need to disappear. You need to just go away unless he brings you into the, the, the conversation. Otherwise, just go away. It's, yeah, it, he, was, he was very selective as to, to maintain the relationship with the other artists. Um, but then I had one night where Steve and I uh, and uh, my roommate and Jim Keltner spent all night in a studio. I don't know if you guys know who Jim Keltner was, but he's he's drummed for more people than than y'all have records <laughs> by by a long shot. I mean, the Who, Beatles, um, Pink Floyd. I mean, it, it, he did. In fact, I went with Steve to the studio. Keltner was playing drums, and it was Ry Cooter, um, John Hyatt. And then it was the there was a band that they put together, and this they were doing a showcase, and we were at SIR in Hollywood, and uh, yeah, it, it was just. And then later on that day, bumped into Jeff Picaro, you know, doing stuff, and Jeff knew Steve. It's like it's, it's, everybody seemed to know Steve. I don't know how he got, but I mean, y'all know that he did a, a, a tour with Dylan. Um, in like, I don't know, I think it was like 80 or 81. He did mm -hmm. like about 83 shows with Dylan and he'd talk with him and a bunch of stuff. He had a really great relationship with JJ Kale. It was Steve and I and, uh, Kale in a studio in studio city or in his, in his apartment talked for hours about, you know, he was, he was going to downsize and move to an RV down near Anaheim. I'm just going, what the hell? I mean, this guy has written more great songs. Uh, yeah, it, it was interesting. Very, very interesting. So I met a ton of people through Steve, and and I ended up meeting Don Lombardi and John Good of DW through Steve. And being a drummer, I was in heaven. So I've been a, I've been a DW drummer for quite a while now, quite, quite some time. And I know we're talking guitars, but I – I am a drum. <laughs> and they, we talk they drums actually, on Thursdays. Yeah, they yeah. actually had because when I was Tom's uh, in the industrial park where Tom was at the time, that's where DW was. Yeah. Oh wow! And it was kind of interesting. It was it was like a music heaven there in that little U-shaped industrial park. Yeah. But yeah, the 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 relationship with uh, with. Tom and Steve was special. They were they were very dear buds. Yeah, yeah. And Tom, or Steve would come up with an idea, and Tom would figure out how to do it. You know, it's just like that sixteen tone neck. That was, that's a it's a trick formula. You know, to figure out where to put the frets. But yeah, that hideous looking so HSH. <laughs> yeah. So it's, try to explain again, like, so 16 frets to the octave, is it 16 then? No, the octave is at the octave. Or, well, okay. Oh, yeah, right. The two um, dots is at the octave. So those are the open string and octave is the only thing that we all know. All the other notes don't go with anything because oh, we so all work in a 12 scale neck. 
What's That's a microphone on there? Right. Oh, yeah. It was bizarre. Really bizarre. Well, also built him a, uh, a, a um, it was a basswood body, and I think it was a maple palfaro neck, and it was a Floyd Rose, but it was a fretless guitar. And, you know, all of us tried to play it, and it kind of sounded like hell. And I took it out to I took it out to Steve, and he's going whoa, and he starts picking up, and he's nailing it. I'm just the guy's got intonation just flowing through his veins or something, but it, he played it beautifully. And, uh, and Steve also had another interesting idea, where he made uh, for Rye took a bass, a bass neck, except sized it down a bit so that he could string it like a regular guitar and put a Floyd, it had a Floyd Rose on it, but he had to get special strings made for it and it tuned down to uh, like a B, it was well below the D, down almost like a B, but and um, Rye didn't like it that much um, but, and it was, it sounded almost like a piano playing it was really kind of cool. And um, Dweezil had an interest in it. So took it up to the house, and Dweezil's still living at home with his dad, Frank. And uh, come to find out, Dweezil said that that's um, that guitar was uh, uh, Frank's favorite guitar that Dweezil owned. Dweezil bought that, and it, so it's a full-length bass neck, except stringed like a guitar, like a regular six-string guitar. It was really cool. That was that was Man. a strange sounding guitar. Yeah, it's super baritone. Yeah, and then wow. some, and then some. Yeah, right. yeah, yep. It was pretty cool, cool stuff. But the the Kramer Ripley stuff was was a uh, it was a stepping stone for me. But it, what a huge, huge stepping stone. I mean, big time. I didn't realize even until just recently where uh, David Allen Wright has this um, uh, group chat or whatever on Facebook. And Angeline, Steve's daughter, sent me a message and said, you might want to check out this group. So I went and joined the group and I'm looking and that's how I saw it, that, Lewis, you had the, the your cover played off. And I saw that Angeline uh, or that that Charlene wrote you back with my name i'm going wow that's why i i wrote on there at the moment i'm going this really warms my heart yeah it really it really did i it's really kind of special thank you it's guys great. well it's this, great because you know th there's really not that many of them around and they, they started popping up um you know for the last couple of years i really have not seen that many at all um mm -hmm. and recently um they started popping up people are, are you know there's Black ones with maple necks coming up. Um, I don't know the history of, you know, the banana headstock versus the pointy headstock. They seem to be made around the same time. Robbie, that's maybe something you can help with. But um, I have, obviously, the pointed one. Um, and I've never really seen too many pointed I know. Um, Adam, I, I only dealt with the pointy ones. That's all I had that they funny, sent. I've, I've never seen that many at all. I've, I've, most of them I've seen are the banana or the hockey headstocks. Well, there's some out there. I did. Yeah, well, like... The Pointies was in 1986. Yeah. In 1985, in 1985, 
Well, if you have the block logo, like like you've got Lewis, that's yeah. 1980, That's eighty six. In eighty seven, yeah. the, the pyramid logo with the bigger K and it goes down like that. I've seen now, one of those. Yeah, on a on a Ripley. The one Johnny has is a nineteen eighty five Lucido neck, and in nineteen ninety five, Lucido made most of the necks. You there are some there are some ESP transition necks that look similar, although the the, the banana looks a little bit different. But that's right. how you can tell it, and they're all they're all made from ESP. And then this the the pointies, and except for the the one Johnny has the eighty fives, that's Lucido at a cabinet. And so mine used to look just like Lewis's. It right. used to, until I won a bet on a football game. Well, I, <laughs> I don't know. Did I tell you that? I, I won. Well, with Pat Wilkins, we bet on a football game. And actually, believe it or not, I think because I moved there to L.A. from Colorado, and I was a Broncos fan. So I think we had a bet on a game against the Raiders. And because um, the Raiders at the time were in L.A. And um, I won the bet. Hence, he sanded off the, the black and that and put the uh, – to match my body. He matched my body and then put on the, the Steve Ripley logo instead of the, the Kramer Ripley logo. Which is so, a little wow. different. You're right. Yeah, it's just more, a little uh, bit different. Yeah, they're yeah. a little skinnier. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you're, so yours was a black headstock originally. Yeah, mine looked like, like that. Those. Exactly like that. It did until I won the bet. <laughs> it, I was I was pretty happy about that because <laughs> I wanted it to match the body. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just wanted to say that you know, Steve Ripley, even though he was born in Idaho, he grew up. Went to high school in Oklahoma. He yeah. went to Oklahoma State University mm-hmm. before he went out to California. Right. And then when he got back, came back, he came back to Oklahoma and bought the church, which was Leon Russell's uh, old studio. Yep. And he's highly regarded in Oklahoma yeah, for cool what place. he did for the music community out here. You know, the bands he played in, uh, he, he did a lot of charity mm-hmm. stuff to help musicians in Oklahoma. So, yeah. Yeah, and and he brought me out there. To, he he before he because he had that the band the Tractors that he did in the studio, and in '95 uh, he flew me out there for a week, stayed with him at the house, and and I actually had a room that for a while it was called my room, and um and uh, I worked with him in the studio for a week, uh, getting his guitars ready for tour, for with the Tractors, um yeah studio was beautiful beautiful studio it was very interesting big big nice staircase going up with all these it's all big stone just a, it's a big church and it was leon russell's old studio which he was leon russell's engineer he he engineered a bunch of stuff he did that before he got the tour with dylan and then he hmm. came back and and he i think he made a lot of connections to that as well with so many different artists it, it really it, it gave him a lot of clout, and um, but I mean, Steve's really smart, extremely smart. He was he was the whiz, but and if he had questions, he had his fingertips uh, at some of the smartest, 
most technical whiz guys in the business. I mean, the engineers that were amazing guys that were building like the guy, you know, just like Roger Lynn building the Lindrum. I mean, he had him at his fingertips. He had the guy that did all the, the beat, the beach boys, uh, and build their own console and, and did all their recordings. And I, I got to go and meet, meet all these people and hang out with them. But so Steve utilized a lot of other brains too to become smarter. I mean, that's what smarter people do. They just surround themselves with smarter people than themselves and learn. And what he, was al- he was, al- <laughs> and he was already brilliant. Yeah. So in, and, uh, but it was, I, I very good right up until the end. And, and, uh, he called me and about a week before he passed. And he, we, we talked to each other about once a year and, uh, he called me and, he, he, he texts me and he says, "Have I got you up to speed about my health issues?" And I and I just I got on the phone immediately, and then we talked for about a half an hour and and we had a good cry both of us and said goodbye. Yeah, rough times, but but I've I I relish the the fact that he's a friend. And I could call him a friend, and I learned so much from him. Another thing that he taught me is say exactly what you mean. Use your words to say exactly what you mean. Boy, he harped on me hard. <laughs> he says, "Don't beat around the bush. I want to know exactly what you have to say." Yeah, good guy, really good guy, mm. and, a, and a brilliant musician and a brilliant mind and he came up with a beautiful instrument yeah thanks guys yeah yeah i really quickly i um i never met steve in person but we became facebook friends i'm looking through my history here about uh 2012 actually he, he he used to message me because, like I said, I, I was making videos on my YouTube channel here with my guitar, so that's how he found me. And and he would ask me questions about like Van Halen stuff, about huh. like what's the deal with this song or that or whatever. So I'm looking through this and I'm seeing. So he, so he would like send me messages, like he sent me this back in like 2014. He's like the message with this says, Johnny, when are you going to buy this guitar? And it's it's basically uh, well it, he was making some some Ripley yeah. I guess at home, yeah. and they were bodies that Edward had signed. Right. So there's Edward's signature up there. So, there you go. Yeah, I I read about those. Yeah, those are bowling balls by Pat, and uh, yeah, and had Ed sign some. Yeah. 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 So so he he would tease me. <laughs> he would tease me, and he would send me. He would send me photos like here's here here's another one that he he sent me. I guess that's a I think that's the Ripley that's in that hard rock I was talking about. Huh. I that think that's that's the one that's unpainted. Yeah. And that that used to be in our house at times. I've had that over at my house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it yeah, was he's... a really cool guitar and it's the Ripley shape and it was basswood. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so yeah, he sent me this, um, I think, but, uh, anyway, 
Um, and then, and then, yeah, he, he would send me other, other photos of other, you know, there's like that one. That's the, the one right there. Oh, yeah. I believe it's Edward had signed it. Um, that's the one that's in that photo right here. Where is that? The one, the photo that you took that one, the second guitar, the, the striped that's, one. That's the D neck. Oh, but it's, yeah. yeah, it's that body. Yeah. 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 Then, yeah. I was wondering if I could ask you a question. I, I have yeah. a friend of the show here who's asking me to ask if you know how uh, Pat Wilkins came up with the uh, the, the red cloud painting. Or the, oh, the bowling ball stuff? Yeah. I don't know how he came up with it. I know how he did it. Um, he would, like, uh, it, it, like here's a, here's a guitar. It's a kind of a miniature one that he made for for his son, Elvis. So what that was, it was white paint. He painted the body white, and then it, it cured. And then he put sprayed. He would spray a certain amount of red, and then he took an, an air hose and blew it around, blew the red around with an air hose. That's how he'd create the bowling ball. Interesting. It, yeah, wow. it was. That's that's exactly because the the white was already that was already cured and dried, so it took a little while. Yeah. So yeah, we well, were like, we were talking we were talking last week of how uh, Tom Anderson or uh, um, Kirk Hammett had a, uh, a bowling ball. Tom Anderson. Oh no, he has several. Yeah, because I, I, yeah, I did. Um, uh, it was either three or four guitars by Kurt Ham for Kurt Hammett. Yeah. Really nice guy. Really quiet. <laughs> really, really quiet. Wouldn't say. Um, like, remember I told you that I that I would put put guitars together. No electronics. Nothing. This was for for Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> yeah. And I'd I'd get them all ready like that, and I'd send them to Steve, and he'd he would uh, build them. From there, he'd put the electronics in it, and then, yeah. You had mentioned there's also a blue bowling ball, blue and black bowling ball. Oh yeah, yeah. Did I send you a picture of that? Uh, I, I don't think, think you did. Me, you showed us to us it, before the show started. Is it that? I think I sent no. Oh, oh that's that's Dweezels. That's just the blue. Oh, this the 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 other guitar here. I that was just parts that Dweezel had. Dweezel thought that if he burned the guitar, he was young. He thought if he burned the guitar, it would make it lighter. It didn't do anything, obviously. Um, <laughs> so he put stickers all over it to change it from it being burned. But he gave me a, the body and the pickguard and a couple pickups and a neck and a bridge. And he says, can you put this together and make it look like a guitar? And uh, I did, and I put it all together, and he was selling it to the Hard Rock. And come to find out, him and Moon signed it. And actually, um, back in the late 90s, I was up in, in San Francisco. I went to the Hard Rock, and it was hanging on the wall there. Cool. In the Hard Rock in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of cool. I was just going, holy oh. cow. I wonder if it's still there. Because yeah. I'm in Santa Cruz. Oh. So I, I can just jump in a... I can jump on my bike and get over there. Oh, really? I, I just had that. I just had the same thing happen to me in Ushuaia, Argentina, with one of Tom's guitars. Uh, oh, I saw that. Ushuaia, Argentina, is the southernmost city in the world. 
It's right down where the horn, you know, when they say going around the horn, you know, the, the very tip of South America, Ushuaia mm-hmm. is right down there. It was a very cool place. I mean, it's a bucket list place. Um, and when it, they have a hard rock there, and I, I look up behind this, this gated off area, and I see an Anderson, and I'm going, oh, my God. It's this, and I says, I talked to my brother-in-law who speaks English, and and I says, can you get them so that I could take a look at that? So, oh, they they let me right up there and looked at it, and I'm going. It's probably very likely that I put it together because I, I know the year that those specific guitars were made because it was a maple top before he bent the maple top over the the armrest, um, and it so it was a flat top maple on basswood, and it was uh, from the band Mana. Uh, the guitar player Sergio, uh, something like that, from the band Mana, and um, uh, I sent them to Tom, and they put it on their page and everything. But yeah, it, Anderson's in in the Andes. <laughs> yeah, they, they got a kick out of it. Yeah, but it, yeah, that, that. But there's a bowling ball guitar that's by a door that was, and for the life of me, I cannot remember who and i'm looking at the back of the picture and i have nothing no name no nothing on the back of the picture can't remember Is it that yeah and i really like that guitar Th- that one is a hex distortion and that one is probably pretty darn rare i mean there's i don't think th- there's not another one like it and that was a tom anderson body and a tom anderson neck Pat Wilkins paint job and uh, all the hex distortion, hex distortion done it in it. And it was wow. set up. It was set up a little bit different because of the, um, the pocket, the, the, the electronics pocket. You'll notice at the bottom where the, where the switches and the lights, it's different. So I think yeah, Steve must have had to wire that one. I think I built it all and then gave it to Steve and he wired it. Or we had, yeah, the, we had to set things up different. They're all different uh, configuration of, of switches there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So is, is that, so is that a Kramer? Yeah. So, yeah, that's so a Kramer Ripley. Rever, reverse headstock? Yes. Yes, that's, that's yeah, that's dude. I, that's the only one I've ever seen like that. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a Kramer Ripley. It's, it's a Kramer Ripley. It's it's a hex distortion, but it, Tom's uh, control cavity was different um, that he had, and so it has the circuit boards in there, but the volume and tone had to be in different spots in this because his cavity was in a in a different. It's a different shape. It's kind of mm-hmm. like the cavity that he had in the bases. Because he had specific, he used the pin router, and he had specific things that he would that he would use to to make his bodies. At, at that at that time, he did not have the CNC mills. But I know for sure that that Tom made all those parts, and then we put it together and had to put the switches in a different spot. Mm-hmm. Looks like a classic Tom Anderson, but out of shape. Yep. Yep. And it's not a tilt back. That's a that's a straight right. flash. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. I know I've got I, I've crossed over into the non-tilt uh, ESP, you know, Grail Banana. I 
I still have some tilted bananas, but I'm actually giving away the last of the pointies I have. <laughs> and they're not even three-piece pointies. Pointies. They're transitions with just the headstock glued on. Right. But yeah, you go down the wormhole, and it gets dark and lonely down there. Yeah. <laughs> keeping keeping the neck perfectly straight is the way to go. I mean, nice, straight, hard rock maple is it's it's the only way to go. I mean, some people like the fancy stuff, but when it comes to a neck, plain Jane is the best. It's going to be always there for you. It's not going to twist. Um, and that's one thing that Tom did is uh, – once he took it from block form and and took off the major portion of the wood, they would sit for like two weeks before he'd continue because if they twisted, he'd just throw them in the trash. Yeah, he just, you know, because after you take a certain amount of wood off the neck, then it, it's going to, I mean, it was a living organism at one time. It's going to do something. And if and if if it twists and it's screwed up, then why go further down that like you said that that rabbit hole? Uh, why go further and and try to save a net? Just throw it in the trash. We just yeah. I want it to be I want it to be the easiest as I possibly could work on, and that's why I like those uh, seventy nine eighty feet eighty five ESPs, especially the ones come out of the forty eighth Street in New York, you know and. Uh, like you said, arrow straight. So I, the relief sanded into the frets. I don't ever have to adjust a truss rod. But yeah. then these necks are all 40 years old, at least. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and I used to have this conversation with Tom, too, about that, that it was a living organism. And it's not living anymore. So, you know, it doesn't have sap going through. So the, the, the molecular... Um, content of that wood changes over time i mean eventually it become petrified it doesn't just happen like that it takes time so over time and that's why certain things when they get older they they may sound much better wow. um, you know the, the wood dries out more it's it, it's it's been dead longer i mean i know that's kind of a morbid sound but it has been and so mm -hmm. the, the molecular structure of the wood is going to change over time. I agree with you 100%. You know, and even if you get one of these CNC necks nowadays, like uh, FU Tone sells the uh, the Boogie Bodies necks, he's got a crew out there in Pennsylvania, and they make them right there in the United States. But they're a little bit, little bit thicker, which makes them a little more solid. So they hold up better, you know. They it's a one piece quarter swan, you know. The the fretboard is the maple of the wood. It's got the truss uh, truss rod, the skunk stripe in it, you know. But that thing stayed pretty straight. It had a little bit of a whip in it, so I had to take out a little more fret to compensate. But uh, I actually got it to work. And then when you have to use a newer newer wood, because I used a Musicraft body on it, which I had to like really modify because they put everything in the wrong spots, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, that basswood actually works pretty well because it's pretty stable, light wood. So you get a you get an even tone, even if it's younger wood. It it seems to it makes it a little bit, bit easier than if you're trying, you know, if you try to make a poplar body now, and you know, is it going to move? Is it going to change? You know, compared to the one from 
from, you know, 84 or whatever, you know, that's pretty much established. It's not going to move because right. it's been there for so long. So and I could see how the different materials would be an advantage if, if different woods being newer right. and made, you know, not, you know, 40 years ago would be a little more stable. Right, right. And, and another little trick, I don't know if you've done this, Robbie, is is with basswood, um, you can strip a screw really easy in basswood. It's because it's really soft wood. Tom taught me a trick. You screw the screw in, you pull it back out, and then you put in, in your hole, you put uh, the ultra-thin um, super glue in there. And you basically just created a really nice, stiff, hard bushing to screw your screw in, and you won't strip it out. It's really slick. Screw the screw all the way in, then pull it all the way back out, and then put that that uh, that ultra thin super glue in the hole. Let it just go, and that it'll just it'll just drink it. It'll just drink it right up, and it'll be gone. And and let it get hard, and then don't, and then screw the screw back in. Slick. Yeah. Thanks for that. Like, oh, you're welcome. Beautiful, beyond worth information from Tom Anderson. Yeah, blows it, me away. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's any guitar I've put together without a little super glue somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we would even, especially like in basswood, if something got dinged or something like that, you just take sawdust and you put it on top of the body. And then you put super glue on it, let it get hard, and you sand it out, and it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I use it for. Uh, I use it sometimes if you get a body that you're not going to send out to paint, and there's like a wicked chip in it, and you could fill it. You know, if it's through to the paint, like if you've got a black body and you got a big hole and it's it's clear through and you can see the wood, then you got to like take like a magic marker or something. Sharpie. And, <laughs> and then, then put the super glue over the, the mimic the clear coat, and then polish that out. And it, you, yeah, you can won't be able to tell. That's a repair. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we've done that to a ton of stuff. Now, if now if you have a a, a body that you're going to do a clear, you know, a clear uh, or you know a, a translucent paint job, then that's that's a no bueno. Yeah, no, you know, yeah. But a solid body guitar or a solid paint job on something? Oh, yeah. You can do all kinds of things. We've I'm going to show you. Our, you know, we, us guitarists, all I don't know if it's the same for drummers. We all have guitars that we sold that we regret getting rid of. Um, this was an 88. You probably built this one. This was an 88 uh, lamb top, I think they called it, with the, the Strax uh, headstock that I had. Right. Yeah. That I wish I still had. You probably built that one. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Well, and did it have a maple top on basswood? Did it's, I don't think you could. There you go. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, wow. and it's yeah. got the straw headstock, and I I think about this guitar all the time. I wish I never sold it. Oh, and it has the. Oh, it doesn't have the Tom and the Tom Anderson shape now. It has the old because no. we got we got in trouble from Fender. They were saying. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. wish I still had this one. It's one of yep. the ones I regret getting rid of. It's very, very, very good chance. I, I would say probably. A, I would say I probably yes, I did build that. <laughs> There's yes. probably some crazy going in there. <laughs> it's somewhere. <laughs> <laughs>
especially well yeah because it had basswood yeah. sure did yeah, yeah, because it was it was a, it was a and that's why that guitar down in Ushuaia was like that because it had a flat top, you know that it was the the Grand Am Lamb or something like yeah, that yeah, I think they called it. Sense. Yeah, and it had that and, system in it too. Yeah, and it was so it, it, yeah, I I built it. I'm sure I did. <laughs> I wish yeah. I still had it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there's lots Great. of little tricks to the trade that's really fun to learn. And, and that was one of them because I heard you talking about basswood and, and it's kind of an important one because you could strip out the holes and you strip them out and then you got to use a bigger screw or. Oh, no, no, that doesn't happen in my no. I wanted to say too. I, want, I wanted to say too that uh, uh, this man here has heard of the guy that built my guitar in 82. Who's that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bill yep. Isaacson. Yep. He yep. has heard of Bill Isaacson. Yep. Absolutely. I've never met anybody that's heard of Bill Isaacson. <laughs> I tell the story about he brings me into a shop. I pick out the wood with this guitar. It's like solid striped maple. And I said, no, I want it like this. I want it like that. He went to the Kramer factory and built the dang thing in their wood shop. You know, and... Um, it took forever, and by the time he was done with the guitar, he had like been let go from Kramer because apparently right. he misplaced a lot of wood. Like you know, he kind of lost it, Oops. and uh, a lot of it was in that that room in that shop that I went in, and I picked out like the best piece I could. So the whole guitar is it's striped, you know, it's maple striped, but it's the right. wood the grain in the wood is the stripes. Right. Yeah. And you've actually heard of Bill Ives and said. Yeah. He was he was head of guitars in 1982. Yeah, I guess due to these you know mysterious circumstances, they they got rid of his name. You know, kind of like Pharaoh got rid of Moses or something. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's been stricken. <laughs> yeah, things happen. But yeah, it's uh, and then then also we were talking about that Mick Jagger thing. Come to find out later, I ended up. Uh, bi- building Mick several guitars. In fact, you know what? I actually think I have a picture of Benny. You'll get a kick out of this. Oh, I have a picture of Tom. I actually walked away from the uh, Stones. Um, oh, God. It was, I can't remember what tour it was. Walked away with a 54 Broadcaster. That was signed by Chet Atkins. That was Keith Richards' guitar. It was Tom and I and Benny, and I'm walking out of the Coliseum, and uh, I had to bastardize it, cause Keith likes a humbucker in the bridge, or, or no, a humbucker in the neck, and I, yeah, not good, not good. But then, then we built, um, we built. Oh yeah, here's Benny. You're going to love this picture. <laughs> we built, uh, after that tour, they did the Urban Jungle Tour. Sorry, Benny. Oh, yeah. Hey, Benny. Yeah. And He's he probably was, watching he was doing his. He was doing his best mick. <laughs> 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 but it, well, and, 
Yeah, some I don't know who did the graphics on it, but it was kind of it was kind of cool. Wow. Even over the pick guard or the pick cover, the pickup cover and everything. It's called the Urban Jungle Tour. But that that was an interesting that was and I I only met him that one time and I never met Keith. Um but here is uh, yeah, there's there's some other picks and stuff, but uh, interesting times, very interesting times. I mean, I through those guys between Tom and Steve, I met so many people and got to build guitars for so many different people. It was it was a absolute. I mean, I look back on it as kind of Cinderella story. I think about it. It was, mm-hmm. yeah. It was. I kind of know, know the feeling, you know. I. It was just regular life to me. Uh, you know, I was just like, okay, I did it. I, you know, yeah. It's a regular guy. But, but it's it's absolutely enjoyable talk. I love talking about it. Yeah, and uh, it, it it's fun. And, and and it's kind of a love. There's not a lot of money. I actually looked into getting into uh, go to. I live in Clearwater, Florida, and uh, so I was going to go over to Dean Guitars over in Tampa. And um, it, then I had a friend that had worked there, and he says, Brett, you don't want to work there. He says, no. And, uh, but so I kind of shied away. I, I gave him a resume. They didn't call. Uh, so so be it. It wasn't meant to be. You know, mm. I, I definitely believe that there are certain things that are meant to be in life, and some things are not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if you ever yeah. want to rewire um, Ripley uh, Electronics, uh, and you remember how to do it, I can send you a bunch of people. <laughs> you want to get back into it? There's a bunch I of just people. I just stuffed circuit boards, man. I didn't know how it all worked. It, Steve told me what I needed to put where, and I did it. Yeah. yeah. And and but I was and I was the meticulous type person that he needed, and uh, so I was good with the soldering iron, and and uh, I had a memory. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, then, there's a lot, a lot of these guitars that are, yeah. are not working. Properly. There's really yeah, nothing to do how to fix them. And my my bench was ultra clean right there because I had just started. I wasn't even, yeah. But that's that's how oh, it all started wow. right there, and that's the height, of the ceiling. Oh, and we had a a raft that used to come in, and he had a a name for it. It was a wild one, but it used to run around those rafters right up, up above our heads. He had a name for it. I can't remember what the name was. A rat? Yeah. There was a rat that lived up there? Yeah. Well, no, it'd come in. It would come in the building once it, I had no idea how it got in. And right outside that that place was just you're you're literally looking at just a little bit less than half of the place right there. Yeah. Right where the picture was taken was where like the four guitars are. Like that. Those Steve was standing in the middle of the four guitars taking my picture so you see the other wall that's how big it was that was it wow i i I love that that ripley logo down there at the bottom left yeah that's cool and i think that was for like at nam show or something he had a small booth that he sat in with someone else or put his ripley guitars up there yeah and then i think you see there's a picture back there with seymour duncan and jeff beck Right yep. behind my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Yeah. 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 Good times. Good times. That's that's so cool. And I found that photo of Benny with with Frankenstein. I found oh, I did. found that. Maybe you've seen Oh yeah. There he is. Yep. Yep, absolutely. There you go. Yeah. Benny, nice. if you're watching this, come on on, man. Yeah. I've known like I said, I've known Benny for years. Years and years and years and and he he says he'll come on the show at some point. I think we're going to do the show at his place. He has a shop out here like uh-huh. an hour away. Right. And and um yeah. And I actually asked uh Steve Ripley if he wanted to come on. This was years ago. And he declined because he's like nobody would want to hear what I have to say. Right. That's what he told me. Yes. That's Steve. That's Steve. So Yeah. But we would message. We would uh, message all the time. Yeah. 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 He he's a special guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool guys. Well, right on. I I think I've pretty much talked out about everything I can. But and then the 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 Ripley bases, those were kind of cool, and they was they they were fun to play with, and and some guys some guys use them. Jeff Pilson used them. Um, built one for Ripley's for Willie Weeks, and uh, like I said, Michael Picaro, and and then Ed had one. And yeah. I, I, yeah, I I I had a, a Kramer '85 uh, catalog at one point mm-hmm. when I was a kid, or maybe I don't know how I got it, um, but it had it had a, a, a Ripley bass section in it, and that was the only time I ever saw a Ripley bass was in that catalog. Right, it's a five string. Actually, made a fair amount of them. We did. Yep, and that's the that's the bowling ball. Yeah. I have a picture. I think I have that. I think I have that art that that magazine as well. I have a bunch of stuff stashed, a bunch of stuff from Steve I and a bunch of different stuff from Dweezil and yeah, yeah. I just recently got to see Dweezil too. He he played right down here in St. Pete and at, at this really cool venue and and uh, we got caught up on times and it, it was really nice. And a nice big oh. hug, and and uh, we talked for quite a while to get caught up. We hadn't seen each other in quite a while, mm-hmm. but I I used to call him on his birthday ritually. I mean, for years, years he used to say, "Brett, you're like the only one that calls me on my birthday." <laughs> yeah, it's September fifth, and we're <laughs> we're born in the same month. <laughs> Thanks, Dweezil. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Right on. Cool. Well, hey, Brett, thank you so much. And yeah, Lewis, thank you, man. No problem. Lewis is the one that got us got us all connected. I also want to mention that uh, Charlene, uh, I reached out to her and unfortunately she wasn't available tonight, but uh, she wished us all uh, a good show. So uh, thanks to her as well for being in touch with uh, with Brett. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah, I owe her a phone call. And uh, everybody, Lewis knows Cody from Stigatsu. Lewis here is friends with Cody, who everybody that watches our show knows. He's given us stuff to give away. He's got more stuff coming. I buy. I'm always talking about parts he has. You know, old mm-hmm. staple parts, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, stuff that I would buy to build guitars with. And, uh, Cody's just been great, and Lewis is his friend here, so. Yeah. A shout out. yeah, 
Cody's a great guy. He's got a, he's got just an unbelievable amount of parts, um, vintage parts. So he's it's fun to look through his uh, his his eBay site. Yeah, we do that on uh, sometimes on this show we do that or we do that Saturday nights. Mm-hmm. We look through his listings and stuff. I plan on going to see him, so maybe I'll do a live stream from there so you can see all that he has in there. <laughs> that would be yes. cool. I mean, like that oh, neck that I found, he had that ESP neck. It turns out that was your neck. That was crazy. Yeah, I'm. You know, Cody and I are uh, we're friends, so every every once in a while we share some stuff. And yeah, that ESP neck was my neck. That he's uh, he's he's taken on a bunch of different things, but he's a, he's a good guy. Yeah, Very that's good. a '85 ESP 48th Street Custom Shop. The kind oh, yeah. of thing I do. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, was, it was a it was a Japanese custom shop. It was actually a, a, a guitar built for a customer in Japan. Um, uh, Chris Gill actually put me in touch with the guys at ESP, and they tracked it down to um, uh, to the Japanese custom shop. And so somebody brought it over to the states, and it ended up in my hands. And now it's in Cody's, and it's it's on his site now. If anybody wants it. Last I heard, it was eight fifty, which yeah. is worth every penny. And that's just what I love the old. You know the Japanese handcrafted necks. Yeah, you know? oh, it, play, it played beautifully on it. It was, I listen. I, I like, like I mentioned before. I, I, I own a guitar a week. I get rid of them because I, I like to learn from them, fix them up, and move on. And and I, I'm not really not tied to any guitar, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I'm always seeing your your posts like this, like like look like like on Monday. I just got this. this is amazing. On Friday, it's for sale. <laughs> I see that all the time. <laughs> I, I live vicariously through you guys. I like to find guitars that need a little bit of work, fix them up, and move them. Unfortunately, I should just own one and play it, and and, and just learn how to play again. Like I, I haven't played in a while, just because I'm keeping myself busy. It's just the passion I had. It kept me off the streets when I was younger, just working on guitars. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I would have loved to have done what you guys did when you were younger, but now it's uh, you know, it's a passion for me. So. Um, they come in and they go out. And so while I'm trying to work on my straps, they, I got to keep myself busy some other way. And it's with guitars. So it's, there's worse things to be into, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. No complaints. <laughs> my wife's the only one that complains because she's like, oh, there's another box at the front door. <laughs> you buy them all in the same color. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> another insider tip. Oh. <laughs> and use super glue for the holes. There you go. That's right. <laughs> That's right. right on. Right on. Okay. Brett. Brett, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And we'll be in touch, man. We're Facebook friends now, so yeah. so it'll it'll be awesome. Yeah, Lewis. You, Lewis, thank you, man. Thank you Robbie. Thank you, everybody. Uh, let's see. Brett, is there any anything you want to promote? Any social pages? Um, oh, I, I mean, uh, nothing at the moment, no. no I mean, uh, right now, what I do now, uh, most of my musical stuff is I play uh, a Dumbek, uh hand drums for my wife, who is a belly dancer. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, life's rough. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. 
Awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, Lewis, FairfieldGuitarCo.com, right? Yes, you got your Instagram, yep. Instagram page. Yep. Um, some, new, uh, some new straps coming up in the next week. We're going to have a new one coming up. And so working on some things. So very exciting things coming up. Awesome. Awesome. Robbie, he releases cover cover tunes on his channel. Exclamation point Robbie in the chat. We'll give you his uh, his channel. Actually, Thank you so much. They've been original this week, John. Originals? Yes. Right on. Right on. So check out his channel. Thank you so much to all our channel members. You guys are awesome. Join us tomorrow night, Saturday night. We'll be hanging out. And uh, right on, everybody. Smash that thumbs up. Smash that subscribe. We'll see you guys tomorrow night. All right. Brett, Lewis, Robbie, thank you so much. Bye, everybody. All right. Thank you. See everybody later. Johnny Bean TV. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Michael Anthony right here, and you are watching Johnny Bean TV. Keep it there.